are tuned to CFCR 90.5 FM. It is time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio. And we have Brennan and Jody and Dave, and we will hear from Hank and Craig in a little bit. They're going to talk about the Golden Globes, and they're going to talk about the Dexter finale at, uh, and their disappointment therein. We're going to lead off today. We're going to talk about some obscure Canadian music a little later, but uh, off the top, Brennan has big plans to meet a celebrity. And so we're gonna talk about the celebrity experience. So Brennan, tell us about the, your big news. Who are you gonna meet or who are you hoping to meet? Well, so I checked my email this morning as I tried to do on a regular basis. And um, I'm signed up with the Calgary Expo so I can find out all the exciting things that are happening uh, specifically now that we're talking about having it live again. And today it was announced that Jay and Silent Bob, otherwise known as Kevin Smith and Jason News, are coming back to Calgary for the Calgary Expo. I'm quite excited. I've been a huge fan of them since the Clerk days. Followed all their movies. Last time they were in Calgary was also the same time that Stan Lee was in Calgary. So I had to sort of decide who's getting my money, Stan Lee or Kevin Smith and Jason News. Now, obviously, Stan Lee got most of my money. Um, I still got Jason Muse's autograph, though, so I was excited for that, but I didn't quite feel rich enough to do the, the photos and the whole experience. So I saw this email. I was really excited. And of course, they're doing the Jay and Silent Bob show live. So there's like the priority seating or there's the general admission. Then there's the autographs. So you can get Kevin Smith's autograph, Jason Muse's autograph, or of course, both of them at a discounted price. Then there's the photo opportunities. Now, this is what I thought was quite interesting. So you can get a photo with Kevin Smith. You can get a photo with Jason Mewes. You can get them together. Or you can get a photo with the real Jay and Silent Bob as they're dressed up in character. So just to give you context, Kevin Smith by himself is $90. Jason Mewes by himself is $60. I'm like, okay. But compared to other photos, that's actually pretty close to what I think it was. Together, Kevin Smith and Jason Hughes, just as themselves, is $130. So I'm thinking, hey, that's not too bad. I think I paid more for just my one Stanley picture. But to get the real Jay and Silent Bob in their costumes is $399. Ooh, ouch. Let me say that again. $399 to get the same people in costume. Now, they have the ultimate Jay and Silent show package, which gives you VIP seating Silent Bob show, the photo op with them in costume, as well as the autograph for $599. I'm not going to lie. I looked at that price and I was debating about it. I'm like, you know, that's not a bad deal. Even though if you do the math, if you do the priority seating, the autograph and the picture by themselves, it's only $582 or $87. So they're actually charging an extra $12. I'm not sure how that works out. It doesn't say, I'm hoping you get like a free bag or sticker or something with it. But here was... Here was the thing that was kind of like plaguing me a little bit. My first reaction was, oh, it'd be kind of cool to get a picture with Jay and Silent Bob. But then am I meeting the celebrities because I want to have a picture with them as their fictional characters? Or is it actually because I want to meet them and see what they're like as actual people? Because I'd feel like if they're in costume, they're not going to react the same as they would if they were just in their usual everyday clothes, right? So where's, where's kind of that line between being a fan and wanting to meet my celebrity heroes, like I, people that I love, or meet them as the people they portray on the big screen. And it was really interesting. And I was, I was thinking about this. I actually ended up talking to a couple of people afterwards. 
And I kind of came to the conclusion, like for me personally, I think I'd rather meet the people as they are. I mean, as much as they are, it's still a celebrity gathering. I understand they're there, you know, they're there to make money. They're there to do fan service, but to meet them as actual people in their closer to everyday life than dressed up as their characters, I think is more of the more of an authentic experience as much as it can be authentic. I want to meet Christian Bale in a Batman costume. Now, I also understand that, you know, Jay and Silent Bob are kind of like the characters that made them famous. And now they're part of the pop culture zeitgeist, right? They're, you know, maybe meeting Bill Finger as Batman might be kind of cool. <laughs> but still, I think I'd, I'd not in costume. And I almost kind of wondered too, if maybe they don't really want to do the costumes. So they're kind of like, all right, you know what? If you're going to make us dress up, we're going to charge you an extra $270 for it. I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but um, that's just my theory. So um, I guess my question is what, if you're going to meet your favorite celebrity, what kind of experience do you want? Do you actually want to meet them or do you want to meet them as their famous fictional counterparts? I think because what I'm walking away with long-term is a photo that I'm going to like put up somewhere. People are going to see it. It's it's weird if the photo is me and them dressed up as their characters, right? Like if I if I met Robert De Niro, he wouldn't like dress up as Travis Bickle to take a photo with me. That would be weird. So I think you've I think you've got this right. That the, the cheaper option is actually the better option. No costume is a more authentic. It's like you, even though you paid for it, you went and you met those guys and you got to take a photo to preserve the experience. And when people see the photo, they can understand how that might have happened. The story of how you met Jay and Silent Bob, that's, I mean, you must have been in one of the movies with them for them for that to happen. And then you wouldn't need the photo. The only caveat, if I, if I actually went and did the full experience, if I went as Major Party or one of my characters, then that would be different because then it'd be like this weird meta cognition, meta awareness kind of thing. Then, then, then maybe, but, but yeah, no, I don't know. I just, it just somehow seems almost more disingenuine somehow as a fan. Like it's almost like the people that might, and I, I apologize if any big Kevin Smith fans listen to this and get mad at me, but it almost seems like the people that might just think it's cool that can afford it would do it. Whereas like the real fans wouldn't really care either way. Uh, or maybe I'm completely wrong. Or maybe all our listeners should chime in on this, on this conversation and, and, uh, post comments after it's on Apple music and let us know what you think. I think it's just kind of good that they offer both options. You know, they probably recognize that like they have different kinds of fans with different kinds of preferences. And so you can kind of have, have it the way you want it. For me, um, I admire Kevin Smith for a lot of the other things that he's done. Like I like him as a creator. So I think if you got a picture of him as silent bob then you're limiting him to like that one caricature and uh and not really showing him off for me i i don't dig photos i don't ever do the photos um it's about the experience of meeting the person that means more to me i mean given that i have been absolutely spoiled because of punch tv and punch radio we i've had the opportunity to meet a lot of really neat people that otherwise I would never have had access to. Jackie Chan, Crispin Glover. Well, but that's that was before <laughs> the punch experience. But like sometimes it's better not to meet your 
heroes too. Um, I've had some bad experiences with celebrities at cons where I was so excited because I was such a big admirer. And then it was so obvious that they were just mercenary and there for the money, didn't care about the fans, didn't want to talk, just wanted you to like take, take your money, give you the autograph and bugger off so that they could get to the next person in line. And that sucks. But then when you do get a celebrity who loves the fans and loves the experience of going to the expos, it's really gratifying and it's really rewarding to have a conversation with them. So for me, it doesn't matter about the photo, what they look like in it, what I look like in it, because I don't really care about the photo. I just want, I want to have the experience of meeting them. Well, and if, if uh, Kevin Smith and Jason News have done these kinds of things before and they're coming back to the same one, that probably means that they have a good attitude about it. Oh, they, they're fans. And I, I think that they, they do. They're not just there as a money grab. I mean, given, yes, this is very lucrative opportunity for them. Uh, and it's interesting how different cons are set up. Like generally most celebrities have like a, an amount that is agreed to. So, you know, Shatner, for example, it's like, okay, $50,000. If I don't make that in the tickets that I sell for photo ops and autographs, et cetera, then the con has to make up the difference so that he walks away with his chunk of change no matter what. If he ends up selling more than $50,000 of stuff, then he keeps it. So it's like, he's, he can't lose really. Um, but I can understand why they might charge a little bit more so that they might make more. And at first when I saw the package, I thought maybe there was something else that went with it. It's like, I know in previous cons, they would have like meet the artist where you could meet the artist, get the autograph, and I think even had like a sit down with them or brunch or coffee or something, right? And so at first when I saw the price, I'm like, oh, cool. There must be like a meet and greet. There must be something, but it, it doesn't say so. It just says the main three things, right? So, but like I said, I just thought it was a really interesting concept, the idea that you might be able to meet the fictional characters of a movie and, uh, you know, which way would you rather go? And again, for me, to be honest, I think the cheap tickets to, for the live show are fine. I've been there. You're so far away anyway. It's not like it's a very close room. So I might, just, I might do the cheap route and uh, I'll probably enjoy it just as much. You know what? I'll probably enjoy it more because I spent time talking about it on a podcast. So there you go. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, let's throw things over to Craig and Hank for a bit. And they're going to talk about Dexter and the Golden Globes. And then when we come back, we'll talk a bit about obscure recordings from the 70s. Hey everybody, it's Craig Silliphant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Hank Cruz, and uh, we got a few things to talk about today. The finale of Dexter New Blood uh, was, well, last week, this week, uh, and also the Golden Globes happened, and I'm sure a lot of people don't even realize that happened because they weren't televised, but we'll get into all of that. Uh, Hank, how's it going, man? Well, I'm... Uh... I'm a little, uh, I'm still in shock over this Dexter finale. <laughs> right. And I should, I should, we should say, uh, we're going to talk some spoilers here because it's all over the internet anyway. So, uh, so, but if you do, haven't seen it and you don't want to know, uh, you might, uh, you know, plug your ears with some cotton for five minutes or something. But so if, if the people don't know Dexter before this, uh, mini series came out here, uh, the, the final season, especially, but many of the seasons leading up to that, uh, turned into garbage turned yes. into garbage and then they ruined dexter with the finale like we invested all of that time over that many years watching that many episodes and they ruined the entire show with that finale 
So now with this mini series that come out, they're like, oh, this is going to make all the fans who were upset before, they're going to, it's, it's going to be happy. Everybody's going to be, well, not happy, but everybody's going to be happy with the ending, satisfied and not angry. So Craig, after watching the finale of this Dexter New Blood, were you satisfied? And now you're like, yeah, okay, I'm good. No, I think like, I mean, overall, I'll say I'm satisfied with the series, uh, like the New Blood series itself. I think you, I think it definitely was better than like a lot of the last few seasons of Dexter. I think it had a good idea and it told some good, you know, told some good stories. And, you know, especially in the back half of the season, as you were telling me before I watched it, like there were some good twists and turns and stuff like that. I would say, I mean, I we'll, we'll just come right out and say what happened. So here it is. So in the end, uh, Dexter's son Harrison uh, shoots him basically and you know Dexter's kind of asking for it really uh, now I just I can understand in that moment like why Dexter came to that decision but I just I don't understand what was in it for Harrison uh, and maybe you can explain that to me but I also feel like they set this thing up they did a good like a reasonable enough job of the season there's still some kind of crummy writing here and there in it but overall it was decent uh, like I would have watched a show where Dexter and Harrison go on the run and like the fugitive and, and or the mm-hmm. Lewis hobo. And instead of solving mysteries, they solve mysteries and then, you know, kill the serial killer or whatever. Uh, and instead what we get is, you know, potentially leaving that open for Harrison to go do that if they wanted to do another season or another spinoff show. But the problem is Harrison the actor, the he just was so annoying and so like cre like cringy, like not in a way that was like, good like like i don't want to watch a show with harrison I, I would rather have dexter and i guess they could bring him back in the way that they brought deb back where like you know dexter is basically part of his you know subconscious talking to him but uh Ooh. you know overall you know overall i thought it was a decent ending and everything but i just didn't really like that that that's kind of where it ended for dexter the character what about you because i i was still waiting for the ending that the internet's uh was all about uh that oh the it's gonna be the shocking ending and the biggest twist ever and then the people involved with the show were like it's gonna break the internet right like oh really i'm still waiting for that because i wasn't that shocked um what i assumed was going to happen was yes they were going to run away together but about 20 minutes into the finale you realize it's like oh well harrison's in love with this girl he's finally made friends he's this is his home he's trying to make now and it's like oh he doesn't want to leave dexter but the thing that made me angry was in the end uh for those of you that uh Uh, have watched it uh sorry to those of you that haven't but they end up where it kind of started where this white uh, deer was killed in the beginning one so harrison is there dexter is there harrison shoots him okay i'm like i'm okay with that but then the police uh, sheriff lady shows up one how does she know they were there because he's been running forever they can't track dexter's phone um, there's no police left for her to get help from because the one deputy's dead, the other deputy's off trying to get the FBI in here. So one, how does she know they were there? And then she goes and was like, here's 20 bucks. Good luck. Run. <laughs> Why does he have to run? Because she's taken the blame. So she says is, uh, that she shot him. It was an all officer involved shooting. Um, Harrison wasn't there. But then she tells him to leave town and just get go, right? But, yeah. but why? That's a very good point. And that's exactly what I'm talking about in terms of the like sort of shoddy writing where like they've already explained she takes the credit or blame for killing mm. Dexter as you know, and I'm assuming she'll say, 
you know, he was a killer and she found out his secret and he was going to kill her. So she had to shoot him. But there's no reason for Harrison to leave, really. Right. Like, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and that's like the kind of none. Like, writing. yes, uh, in the future, he's not going to want to live there because everybody that sees him because it's a small town is going to go, oh, well, your dad killed the police guy. And it's like your dad was this horrific killer. And now you're bringing uh, people to the town that all those serial killer uh, followers that want to show up and like be there. Where did Dexter live? And like, you know, but like he didn't have to leave like that second. Like he could go pack his stuff. He could go say goodbye to his girlfriend. Maybe yeah. uh, the sheriff could help him move to a different town to get into the school there or something. Like, no, here's 20 bucks <laughs> and leave. 20 like, bucks too, yeah. Like, That'll get okay, you I, I, I guess I can get like a half a tank of gas or something. Yeah. Well, and not only that, she knows he was like an orphan and everything to begin with. So she's yes. basically relegating him to a life of like living in like living in train stations or something i don't know like yeah it's yeah so that part really really pissed me off i wish they wouldn't have done that and uh there's the thing that my sister pointed out um did you think that the sheriff looked like deb yes i did actually i said that to my wife uh in that last episode i was like so He's dating until, his sister. uh because i think it was the not the last episode uh but my sister's like like you do think they look the same right it must have been on purpose i'm like what are you talking about she's like it's on the internet she's like i thought it i looked it up many other people think the same thing i'm like what but then the finale when i'm watching I'm like omg like they do look similar and they talk similar and the stuff i'm like huh did they do that on purpose i don't know but now that that was all i could see i'm like damn it yeah that's funny. All right. Well, we've got about two minutes here. So we want to switch gears and we oh, want to talk globes. about the Golden Globes. Uh, quick, quick background. They I, I didn't really happen this year. I mean, they did, but they weren't televised. Uh, they got in a lot of trouble last year and were boycotted because of diversity issues and stuff like that. They haven't fixed those things. They couldn't even find uh, celebrities this year to give out the awards uh, because nobody would respond to their uh, their you know calls to their agents and stuff. So uh, I, you know I traditionally am not really a fan of the Golden Globes. I mean the Oscars are a farce as it is, but like really I think they're kind of a joke in Hollywood. And it's just an excuse to you know get drunk and slap each other on the back a little. But uh, you got about a minute left. What do you got to say about the Globes, Hank? Uh, I just want to know like like why does anybody care anymore? And yeah, the diversity they were like it was a whole thing about like wasn't embezzling money or something or something right. the money was going somewhere where it shouldn't and then it's just a few people get together and choose who are going to win these like i i don't know why we even care why we care but if you do care the power of the dog won the best uh movie right um and then west side story won um jane campion won for director but like nicole kidman won for being the ricardos she shouldn't have even been in that movie. She was a horrible casting choice. Like, I don't understand. But in the end, I, I don't care. Like, I look through them all. I'm like, I don't care what any of these, like, forget it. Yeah, they never feel like, uh, there's often a lot of winners that I'm like, that are highly questionable, I find when I look at that list. And like I said, the Oscars can be a, a huge farce too, but the, the Globes are just like nonsense. But are they going to die? So the question now is like, should they even bother? I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do end up, I mean, like, I think all award ceremonies are in a little bit of danger right now, especially the sort of televised aspect of it. But like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go the way of the dodo within a couple of years. I mean, maybe they'll be able to, it's probably big business, so they'll probably be able to reinvent it somehow. But Ridiculous. Uh, we'll see. And I know we're out of time, but uh, for those of you that care, j just Google uh, what the Globes posted on Twitter, because the whole thing was live on Twitter. 
their posts that they put out were ridiculous too. Like it was an embarrassment. And what? Just just Google it. Omg. Ugh. Okay. Well, we're gonna throw back to Jody here while I calm Hank down. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk to you next week and have a good one. Okay. Thanks, guys. Um, so this weekend, I came across a story on CBC their website, and I, it was really really cool. And I love this kind of thing. So basically, here's the story. So there was this band in 1973 called Cat's Eye. And it was this dude from northern BC. And he happened to meet a guy on the train. They hit it off. And he ended up moving over to London. And they've had a band. And they made 99 copies of this record so that they could shop it around to different labels. Apparently. Elton John heard it and loved it. Um, I think it was actually his label Rocket Record Company that printed the 99 copies. And they shopped it around and there was some interest, but you know, nothing ever really came of it. So there's this dude, his, uh, he's a music historian and uh, he is an interesting person. His name is Kevin Howes and he goes around and tries to find old obscure recordings and he found this copy of Cat's Eye in a thrift store in rural Alberta in 2014 and then he was trying to track down like who was responsible and finally this year he tracked down Dwayne O'Kane who was the member from Canada of Cat's Eye and got in touch with him and he was like are you kidding me like nobody knows what this thing is and he was like i love it i i'm a huge fan i want to release it so he has this blog which is it's called uh voluntary recordings and they release stuff and so his this album is now available on bandcamp you can buy it digitally and they it's pretty good we had a listen it sort of has a feel of like great speckled bird some people have compared it to kind of pink floyd-esque i would say it also has a bit of like rodriguez kind of sound which when we talked about that and then i discovered a little bit more that kevin howes was the producer of the documentary searching for sugarman which is the story of Rodriguez. Yeah, this might be one of those sort of unearthed musical resurgences. Like there, this is, you know, of course, with digital technology, these kinds of stories are becoming more and more common. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the music on the Cat's Eye album. Sure. It's, it, it doesn't really sound like anything else that I know of from 1972, 1973. The closest thing other than the... the the Pink Floyd comparison is Euphoria, which is another pretty obscure album because it came out in 1969. So it's like these two guys, they have beautiful harmonies. It's very folk rock kind of stuff, very melodic. Um, and they have this album called A Gift from Euphoria. Uh, Hamilton, Wesley Watt and William Lincoln made it together. And this Cat's Eye album reminds me of that. Yeah, the, the stories are similar that they like, you know, sat unheard by most people for a long time and then took decades to find their audiences. Uh, there's a lot of music nowadays that like takes this sort of folk country approach and is incredibly soft and incredibly mellow. I don't really remember anybody doing that in the early 70s that, you know, ever had any kind of success with it. So maybe they were a little bit ahead of their time. 
it sort of reminds me a little bit of what like the Buckingham Knicks record might sound like if you took all their stimulants away. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, there are some modern bands that uh, maybe they're not super well known, but like Family Band. Yeah. They kind of sound like this. And that there's that new husband wife that just came out last week. Low? Yeah, low. Low kind of sounds like this too. Yeah, it sounds like people that were, even though they weren't, it sounds like they were making music together for a long time. It sounds like they kind of had a, a little vibe in the studio going. There's like some songs that sound even a little bit intimate. There was an album by a, a one woman band called Midwife that came out this year called Luminol. That kind of sounds like this too, where it's kind of trying to make its mark by how soft it can be. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm not 100% sure of like what the legalities of are of playing a digital release on the radio. So I'm not going to do that because I don't want to get into trouble, but go to Bandcamp and just search Cat's Eye and uh, you'll be able to hear the whole album if you want. And it's lovely. It's, they're actually pretty charming. It's raw, it's rough, but it's, there are good songs here. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder how much good music you haven't heard. Yeah. Like William Onyebor and Rodriguez and, and this band, it's cool that they're having a resurgence like decades and decades after they actually made the music is cool. And the other thing that's super cool that I super want to do as soon as like COVID frees up the world and is it, we're over it is uh, this dude, uh, Kevin Howes, he travels around like his vacation is he goes around with a portable record player and he just goes from thrift store to record store across the country and buys stuff and then takes it back to his hotel and listens to it. And it's like, that sounds like the best holiday ever. Well, shout out to that guy, because like if it wasn't for him, we never would have heard Cat's Eye. And I think this is something that, you know, we'll put on and listen to sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I will definitely be checking out his blog, Voluntary in Nature, on a regular basis to see what other amazing things that he has unearthed. Because, yeah, I, I had a quick look at it and it looks really neat. So, yes. Cheers, Kevin Howes. Thank you for resurrecting music that might otherwise not get a chance to be heard. Yay. All right. That wraps up our show. That's another week of Punch Radio. Uh, you know where to find us here every Friday at 6 p.m. And in the meantime, keep your dukes up. The mayor hides the crime rates. Councilwoman hesitates, public gets irate, but forgets the vote dates. Weatherman complaining, predicted sun, it's raining. Everyone's protesting, boyfriend keeps suggesting, you're not like all of the rest. Garbage ain't collected, women ain't protected, politicians using, people they're abusing. The mafia's getting bigger, like pollution in the river. And you tell me that this is where it's at. Woke out this morning with a lake in my head. I splashed on my clothes as I spilled out of bed. I opened the window to listen to the news. But all I heard was the establishment's blues. Gun sales are soaring. Housewives find life boring. Divorce the only answer. Smoking causes cancer. This system's gonna fall soon to an angry young tune. And that's a concrete cool fact. 
the Pope Dick's population. Freedom from taxation. Teeny bops are uptight. Drinking at a stoplight. Mini skirt is flirting. I can't stop, so I'm hurting. Spencer sells her hopeless chest. Adultery plays the kitchen. Bigot cops than fiction. The little man gets shafted. Sons and money's drafted. Living by a timepiece. New or in the Far East. Can you pass the Rorschach test? It's a hassle, it's an educated guess. Well, frankly, I couldn't care less. 